When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? What's the worst day of the week that gets us all depressed? M-O-N-D-A-Y-S-U-C-K-S Here comes more aggravation and a brand new week of stress. Figuring out ways to take 
you know, separate the drum parts from the overall, um, you know, mix while they're playing and create like a drum solo-esque thing and then put back on, you know, the music itself and change it up. And he kind of was an innovator in that. Uh, and then Africa Bumbada really got psychedelic with it, uh, very, very inspired by people like Parliament Funkadelic. Um, but he would kind of take it and raise the game. Grandmaster Flash would take that and completely change the dynamic. And then rappers started jumping on. Uh, and we basically were at we're at the thing uh, to the late '90s. Uh, the last one that I watched was the last episode was um, I believe the Dirty South about Outkast and Goody Mob and the rise to Atlanta. Uh, you know TLC, Jermaine Dupri, uh, so many good artists. Uh, and uh, it was really exciting seeing that. They also did like you know Turn of the Millennium with Jay Z and Eminem, really you know hitting it hard. And also uh, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy. So it's it's a really cool journey. I really enjoy it. I love learning about the history of music. I would definitely recommend it for if you're a hip-hop fan or if you're a rap fan. You know, I do separate it. To me, I think hip-hop has a little more integrity when, you, when you're a hip-hop artist. Uh, and I feel like hip-hop artists can make rap. They can. They can do whatever. But some rap artists, I don't know, can make hip-hop. I'm not necessarily saying that it's going to be deeper, but the music itself if the lyrics aren't as deep, the music, the melody, the way that they do it, the production style is just a little bit more thought out. Uh, if that, it's not just hits. It's, it's, it's about artistry uh, to an extent. Like I would say that Nas is a good example of a hip-hop artist. While, I mean, I don't think that they would think this is a bad thing, but like Two Live Crew obviously was a, a, one of the, the first big rap groups uh, in Miami of their day. So it's kind of it's, – it's, it's reflected differently. Try to look up um, the guy that that hosts all this. It's sad, but you know I I've been watching the show and oh it's uh, Shad. He's a hip hop artist from Canada, and he's a brilliant dude, man. He's really really cool. He's been able to go all over the U.S. and and uh, you know talk to so many amazing amazing artists. Uh, you know from Ice Cube to LL Cool J to um, to uh, I'm trying to think of like like Rakim, uh, you know uh, uh, Chuck D, like he gets he gets to talk to the the cream of the crop, Q-Tip, um, and a, Big Daddy Kane, and a lot of other amazing even Curtis Lowe going back to like the early '80s and stuff like that. Like so, I, I would definitely recommend uh, checking it out. Uh, if I look up the episodes, maybe that will help me reflect on this last season a little bit more. Yeah, Dirty South's the last one. So this season entails the Tale of Two Coasts, which I kind of set up. They always set up what's going on because the South kind of – Dirty South, they leave you a little bit with an after credit, if you will, where they kind of like show that we're going to Louisiana next. And that would be you know, uh, a lot of uh, No Limit Soldiers, I think, were from uh, Louisiana. If not, they're, they're from around that area, and obviously the biggest one, Cash Money – with uh, Birdman and Little Wayne, Little Wheezy. So it's, it, it's fun. Uh, Tale to Coast is the first episode. It kind of, you know, with NWA kind of dying out and then Suge Knight gets up with Dre, uh, the rivalry of, of Tupac and, and Biggie kind of starts off. And then unfortunately the next episode is about the death of both of them. And then in New York, Puff Daddy and Jay-Z kind of start rising up. And then, uh, Episode three is past the mic. It's uh, basically just different um, 
different people like doing battle rap. Uh, New York City was like most deaf was one of the biggest guys. Uh, Los Angeles and then in Detroit and I believe Houston too, they were getting more aggressive and it was much more you know in your face style shit and that would bring the rise of Eminem and then the Dirty South is talking about TLC and Crisscross, Outcast, Goody Mob. So I'm an Atlanta guy, man. I, I love Atlanta rap. I love Outcast, but. Just just so much good shit. You know, I could talk about hip-hop just by myself, hoping that you listeners are out there, you know, which I know you are. Um, but I just love, I love, my, my two favorite eras in music is from 65 to 75, and I definitely love the rock, especially that came out of there. That's been one of my favorite loves. But the funk and the R&B and, and, and Motown and shit like that, or 60s and 70s, I would say. There's... There's stuff that you can take it or leave it, but definitely 65 to 75 was just some magical years of just brilliant artistry and some of the best bands or bands that came out beforehand doing some of their best work um, and just really just bringing music to a dominant sound. Now, the same thing could be said, I would say, from like the late 80s, early 90s, because I love the hip hop of that era. That's my second favorite is the rock from the 60s, late 60s, early 70s. And then the hip hop from the late 80s, early 90s, um, 85 to 95, basically. But within that, there's also a lot of great rock and roll that came out, too, you know, b- between kind of the, the end of the hair metal, but getting into Guns N' Roses, one of the best rock bands, and a lot of great alternative artists were making some awesome albums going into the 90s with grunge and, and whatnot. So, you know, some of my favorite hip hop artists came out during that time period. It just for anyone, and I and I get it because I have a lot of musician friends. I'm a drummer, I'm a singer, can rap, but I'm not going to say I'm a rapper. Um, but you know, uh, I think some musicians just get they get they get stuff wrong. Like if if you're comparing new stuff, and I know people are going to go after me for this, but if you're comparing some new stuff, when you have the ability to have computers in front of you, and you have as a DJ kind of everything hit in place and you're just adding, you know, the dials and stuff like that. That's not like how it was. If you go back, you know, Grandmaster Flash shows on, I think the first episode of Hip Hop Evolution, he had to like take crayons and kind of put places where he would, you know, switch it up, if you will, like, you know, do the so if he were to do that, that's three times. So he would see that thing, let it go three times and then pull it back three times to kind of make that appropriate to go back into place and you know while doing this you have different types of ways phasers and 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 different you know different levers uh you know attached to a certain thing that they have and them having expanded they were doing so much work it was playing music itself as an instrument so the whole essence of hip-hop which is what i love it doesn't matter if you're talking about like de la soul or or um you know uh god try call quest you know both of them um, and how they would take just random stuff they would find, like, you know, um, me, myself, and I was taking a, a kind of an old funk song, uh, I don't know, I don't know what the fuck it was, the bam, 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 I think that's guitar, maybe it's either, like, disco, it's, it's somewhere from there, but they took that one part that was known, that African Bumbada put, into, you know, would always play at clubs and shit like that and then rapped over it. And just the way that Q-Tip would do the Trap Call Quest albums, uh, he would just break it down. He would find, like, a little, like, jazz piece from, like, a fucking 1940s album and have it right over here and then have 
you know, just different stuff. He was so intricate and so intelligent. And you saw this type of expansion of the mind when it comes to a production level of not of, of, of getting past not only the instruments, but being able to manipulate stuff with the Beatles and, and Pink Floyd. They would just throw in dubs of, uh, you know, random stuff. And a lot of rock artists uh, w- would do that modernly, you know, actually around the same time, Rob Zombie with White Zombie and just Rob Zombie by himself and, and Manson and, and I believe Tools had like different styled things in there, you know, just taking sound. Stevie Wonder was a good example. The Wall of Sound, you know, when he was producing his albums, he was so dialed into so many various sounds that he would just attach to his keyboard and try to make things that have never been heard before. And I think that a lot of hip hop minds, you would think that because they're not necessarily playing an instrument live, that that takes away from them. But I would actually say that that's not the case that the music they're creating and, and layering together as a composition is really fucking oppressive. And the fact that they're able to relate it towards if they wanted, all right, a stricted John bomb drum beat, change up a little bit of the sound, make it a little more metallic. Like say that you were doing levy breaks. Now I've heard that in songs before, but you can speed it up a little bit. You could t- do whatever, tweak it, put a different guitar riff, a different keyboard sound, you know, there's so many it, – it, it baffles my mind how much I wish that when I was in sound school over 10 years ago, I wish I had reason now on a computer. Yeah, I could go buy it, but I don't feel like doing fucking spending that much money just to fuck with it. I don't even know if reasons the uh, main you know, MIDI file uh, beat building um, superstition that it once was, and maybe it's all Pro Tools and Logic now. I have no fucking clue. But after rambling you know, to get back on it, Hip Hop Evolution is awesome. It shows you a lot of stuff behind the scenes. It shows an appreciation of a lot of those artists for all music and just trying to be creative and do stuff differently and a lot of the scrutiny that they got and a lot of the shit that they had to fucking deal with. And that kind of brings me into my next conversation. I've been watching Wu-Tang and American Saga, and I have to say, I can't, you know, I, I can't stop listening to Wu-Tang Clan, man, uh, because of it. It's it's uh, it's pretty damn incredible that these guys, you know, kind of endured what they what they did within this television show. And yeah, it's it's I think it's still considered fictional because RZA had to kind of change stuff up due to people. But a lot of those accounts, a lot of stuff that you see that happens in that show really happened to them in real life. And it's just it's uh it's been hard. That last episode was fucking really, really hard. I, I believe the character's name was Hayes, and it was based off someone that literally, no shit, met the man, watched get choked up by a fucking cop in a goddamn Project's parking lot, and just choked to death over, you know, going back and forth and the cop instigating him fighting and then taking it to a direction where it didn't need to be. Now, I don't know if he was... I don't like saying terms like Uncle Tom or whatever, but what they were implying in the show, um, if he was African-American, just trying to, you know, kind of show himself to the other fucking cops like he was a badass, like he owned the neighborhood or whatnot, um, I would I would hope not. Uh, But who knows? It's it's a it's a fucked up situation out there. And I really wish that unfortunately kind of bounces back to if you want to see if you want to see why people are pissed off, if there's any, you know. Caucasians out there, white people, <laughs> my fellow white people, the Karens of the world, 
Uh, no, but seriously, uh, if you guys want to see some fucked up shit, there are videos proving a lot of the stuff that people the, – the reason why so many people are just angry that are part of the black community that have had to fucking see these atrocities for years and, you know, and, and are just told to deal with them. You know, a lot of them are inner city style things. That's definitely um, true. But it's, it's, it's disgusting. Um, some of the stuff I've seen online, because if my friend who happens to be African-American posts a video and it's one of those things on Facebook where you have to uncover it and they tell me what it is, I'm going to watch it because I want to be informed and that type of shit should hit me fucking hard, and it does every time it happens. Because I really wish that you know we could do the whole entire thing. Like, I wish we could just be people and love and cuddle each other, but there's a lot of stuff going against us for that. And uh, when it comes down to it, I mean, I hate to say this, but when it comes down to everything, it's just you know, kind of George Carlin is the one who really dug this into my head. It's, Lower class and the middle class are just meant to fight each other, so the fucking they're, – they're not paying attention while the rich go to the bank and keep on getting more and more richer. So it's uh, – yeah, it's, 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 it's unfortunate. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how I get on that tangent. Um, I'm just trying to inform people. Like I'm not saying go watch fucking terrible shit, but if you want to see why people are mad, there's plenty of reasons and plenty of videos and not a lot of – good reasoning of how the fuck it got in that direction. I'll just put it that way. And there's also, I mean, I, I would hope that you would care about either fucking color between white or, white or black or, or Hispanic or whoever that deals with like a police brutality type of situation. But, you know, there's fucking white people too. There's all sorts of people. Just kids. Fucking kids. And that doesn't mean, and I definitely, you know, because we are in the, the world that we are, I, that's nothing to do with, you know, police officers to an extent. Not all police officers are bad people. There aren't. I know I, quite a few of them that are good people. I think that some of them have issues with PTSD. I think that some of them have issues with power. And I think that some of them are fucking racist. And that's unfortunate. I hope, I would hope that you would not get into, you know, police officer unit for those intentions to fucking be the jock guy like you were in high school or have something to fucking prove or just be an ignorant piece of shit um, or someone that really experienced some traumatic shit, whether they came from military beforehand or, you know, have just seen a lot in the force. It's still, there's evaluations. There, there's stuff that they need to do definitely to change up everything. But uh, there are a lot of good police officers out there that are looking out for people and just trying to be, you know, somewhat heroes, uh, just trying to make sure the bad people aren't screwing over the good people, I guess you could say. But um, it, that whole scene really, if you can't tell, really just put a lot in my head, put a lot in perspective. And it was a fucked up scene to watch, but I don't think it was supposed to be a uh, a good scene. Uh, needless to say, and trying to be more in the positive uh reflection on stuff 36, 36 chambers is a great album and i fucking just want them to get there like there's so many bad things that keep on happening and you know uh, i i need to really research about it i believe it is true that ghostface killer's house was shot up by who ended up being raekwon 
And the actors themselves that play them, not only do they look like them, Riza, maybe the actor, not so much, but I feel like he's tapping into Riza as like this more soft-spoken dude who's really, really thinking all at once and has a lot of great ideas, but like might be a bit shy or come off shy at, at least. Um, but the actors are doing a great job. The show is terrific. Um, you know, I, I need to find out when the fuck this releases. But uh, shout out to Shamik Moore, man, because I loved him in Dope. Uh, I thought that he was great, and I would love to still see him play since he's about the same age as Tom Holland, an adult, Miles Morales, because he did a great job voicing it in um, uh, Spider-Verse. And um, all of them, Ashton Sanders playing RZA, he's fucking great. Shamik's playing uh, Raekwon, Dave East, uh, which was kind of – Got to meet him a little bit, definitely a lot less, is a Method Man. I mean, it's just an outstanding cast. Eric Alexander, who plays Riz's mom, is fucking great. But, um, yeah, it's it's just, uh, it's, okay, now I have the schedule in front of me. So, when the fuck, when do I have to wait, basically, is my question. Uh, by the first. Oh, so fucking Wednesday. Awesome. That's all. That's exactly what I'm going to do. It's kind of like today, you know, first episode of Bob's Burgers. I'm a huge Bob's Burgers fan. Shit is funny as hell. So, and when I think that it stops at 8. Okay, so that's the season. I'm hoping that we get to, you know, in the next couple. We have two left, actually, technically. I just want to get them in the studio. So, it will be uh, very interesting. But I would definitely recommend Wu-Tang and American Saga. It's on Hulu. And check out. Since we're talking about the subject itself, Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix. Uh, just, I don't know, man. I love hip hop. I really do. I, I, I wish that I could learn how to make beats. And I mean, I have some stupid programs, obviously, on my phone that kind of have pre-recorded and I can sequence them. I, can, I know timing of music, but I don't have anything that I actually have fucking worked on. Um, oh, and uh, shout out to uh, Cheo Hadari Coker. Uh, who we've interviewed over at Geek Five's really cool dude. He's actually a showrunner for Luke Cage, uh, really nice guy. But he also used to work for, I believe, Vibe Magazine, and um, he's in it a lot, which is really really cool to see him uh, just talking about the progression and different artists and stuff. So, um, yeah, man. I guess uh, let's move on to another subject. Uh, let's start talking about. I'm looking through my list, guys. Well, I, I wanted to say that I did finally finish after the last month and a half, maybe two months, uh, The Office. Start to finish. Yeah, my crazy ass never watched it chronologically when it was out. I saw episodes here and there, but never something I went and watched the whole entire thing. So I watched it from start to finish. I kind of want to do that with more comedies. There's plenty of them that I haven't really been able to say that I actually saw every episode in order. I feel like I've seen every episode of that 70s show, but I don't know if I've ever seen it in order from start to finish. So it's kind of like that. Or Friends is another example. Um, but yeah, uh, it was good, man. Really good ride. Love the show. It's going to go down as one of my favorite put-together television shows of all time. Loved all of Pam and Jim. I loved uh, Michael Scott as a character. As flawed as he was, he was just... Well, he was a fucking idiot. He made it really uncomfortable for me to be able to watch some of that show, especially when he tried to, like, talk 
at like uh, seminars and stuff like that and would try to like, you know, that type of stuff was embarrassing. And I get embarrassed very easily when I'm watching television. Like I have to be like, all right, pause. This is going to give me an anxiety attack. But um, no, I'm just kidding. It didn't, didn't give me an anxiety attack. Um, Rain Wilson. I have no idea what this guy's doing right now in Hollywood, but Dwight is such a good character. And uh, I think that I could see him in a lot of different things. I know that Jenna Fisher and Angela, she plays Angela, but I forgot what her last name is. They're making a podcast about the making of The Office, which is really smart on their behalf because people still really love the show. But it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of stuff that didn't age well, I will admit. I'm not trying to go PC or any of that bullshit. But, I mean, let's call it spade a spade. Some of it, and it's supposed to be like that because – Mindy Kaley and uh, what is it? BJ Novak, I believe. That's uh, um, who did BJ play on the damn show? You know what? Since I have the option to be able to look it up myself, I will do that. If you can't tell, I slowed down whenever I'm looking up something um, with my talking skills. But yeah, two of the main writers were Mindy Kaling and uh, BJ Novak. Yeah, I was right. So Ryan and obviously Kelly. Uh, those are two of the main writers on the show. Um, you know, some of the stuff was weird. Wolf Ferrell was weird on the show, uh, kind of out of place. So was Ultron, uh, James Spader. But for the most part, I really liked the show. And, uh, yeah, can't say anything uh, negative about it. Steve Carell is great on it. It just sucks that we couldn't get him more in that last episode. But, uh, you know, just random stuff. I uh, I know that now the meaning of all these memes and shit that are dedicated towards the show. So that's good. Um, hope to see more of John Krasinski, Steve Carell, and Rain Wilson. I would like to see him in something serious maybe. Ed Helms, I've never been that big of a fan of. I think his music is great. I saw him at Bonnaroo one year. Um, it was actually really good. It was like I was getting up early, did a lot of uh, – well, did a lot of drugs uh, the night before. But I got to see Paul McCartney back-to-back Wu-Tang Clan. And then after that – you know, got to see like, man, we got, I want to say it was Billy Idol, ZZ Top, and then Pretty Lights. And it was, oh, and I think I, I, I was, I, I kind of walked off in amazement of Bjork and watched her for a little while. Actually, I do know that happened. So next morning, you get to see Ed Helms doing bluegrass. It was pretty good. Definitely not going to complain about that. But as, as uh, Andy, as a character, no, I could have done without, honestly. Um, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just saying uh, that type of stuff. And honestly, he just he wasn't my favorite on the, uh, you know, on, on uh, what the hell is it? The Hangover movies. Um, but what are you going to do? He, uh, he, he was a character on the show. Wasn't one of my favorites, though. But anyways, let's get out of the office. Let's talk about Netflix for a little while, shall we? Um, so the the first one that I kind of want to talk about is The Irishman, which is getting rave reviews. Um, I believe it just won, or it was like people were dazzled by it at the New York Film Festival, I believe. I'm not 100% sure on that. But, I mean, this movie apparently – the best, the best things I'm hearing about it is, is, is it's not exactly like Goodfellas and Casino, which had a very similar flavor, and they were dealing with the mob. So it's going to be very different than that, 
And this is the progression of, I believe, even though it's called the Irishman, um, the progression of the Italian mob uh, in the 70s and through the 80s and stuff. And with this age reduction technology that they were working on for the last year, they were able to take some actors uh, like Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, uh, and uh, who else is in it? I know those are like the big three. But I thought they had someone else that was a pretty big actor as well in it. I thought Harvey Keitel was in it. But anyways, I mean, seriously, it's Pacino, De Niro, and Pesci. And then they got a lot of great actors as well in this, like, you know, Jesse Plemons uh, from Fargo, the television show, and Breaking Bad. Got Ray Romano's in it, and everyone loves him. Bobby Cannavale, uh, who's been in a bunch of shit. I think he was in, he wasn't in Ted, he was in The Nice Guys. Uh, he got pissed off because uh, they, uh, what you call Mark Wahlberg, shot Derek Jeter. Um, Jim Norton's in it. That's it. That's 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 a interesting casting. Either way, this movie's gonna be fucking awesome, and it's his love letter to mob movies, and I'm just very very excited about it. Um, I don't know. Let's see. How old is Martin Scorsese? Already 76. So it's, it's kind of like uh, in a very different way, like Vince McMahon. There's only so much creativity that you have once you start approaching your 80s. And he's got such an, a, cra- like a, a crazy, incredible catalog of films. Uh, Martin Scorsese, you know, Goodfellas, Casino, Raging Bull, um, uh, Taxi Driver. Uh, I mean, just so many. Once Upon a Time in America. Um, what is it? What the hell is the comedy? Uh, King of Comedy. Um, and then like some of his 90s ones, obviously Departed. Um, you know. Wait, did he do Once Upon a Time in America? No, that was Ser- Sergio Leone. Never mind. But he's had Silence. He's had so many damn good movies throughout the years. I think this is going to be one of his last big, at least mob ones. Um, But it's getting released by Netflix, and it kind of coincides with, it comes out November 1st, comes out September 27th right now in in select theaters, but November 1st, uh, in a month, basically, you know, in two days, uh, it will be premiering on Netflix, and you don't see that much advertisement anywhere from Netflix that paid a lot of money to make this movie get made for Scorsese with all the, 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 the costs of age reduction technology, you know, it's, it's a uh, kind of crazy. It was a $159 million budget. They paid for that and they kind of lacked on advertising and what the fuck's the point of making these movies, which I'm going to get into um, a little bit more with the next thing. If you're not going to advertise it, Between Two Ferns was uh, College Humor, I believe, or was it Funny or Die? One of those outlets, one of their funniest sketches with Zach Galifianakis just acting awkward and doing these, you know, uh, fabricated interviews with various celebrities, even at the time the president, fucking Barack Obama. And there was no advertisement for that uh, when they had the movie. It just kind of released. Stranger Things season three had the biggest dip and was way better than the second season. 
but they didn't advertise it that well. And it was expensive. That whole season cost money. And now the Irishman, one of Martin Scorsese's big last epics. And another thing, you know, right now it would probably be Game of Thrones, but the last big television show that really ruled at the beginning of this decade was Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, a lot of people say when, you, when, you're, when you're talking about start to finish, uh, it was one of the most well-made uh, television shows uh, from AMC. And they have this movie called El Camino coming out, a, a Breaking Bad story or whatever the fuck it's, they, they, uh, they propose it as. But it's not advertised anywhere. To me, if you're doing a Breaking Bad you know, movie, you, you want people to, to tune in, right? I mean, it was huge. Like, you know, in five years, if, if Netflix or Hulu or Amazon, Disney Plus, whoever the fuck, GrandmaGrandma.com, if they were premiering a Game of Thrones movie that takes place after a certain amount of years, maybe it's, uh, what's her name? Um, oh, man, we've been that long from the show that I forgot one of my favorite characters, Macy Williams' character, but um, Arya, and it was her travels, and they were going to do it. You would expect them to fucking advertise that. But for some reason, not so much. Hasn't been that much spoken about El Camino. You see it a little bit on Facebook. I don't see commercials for it. I'm assuming they're on AMC. I don't know if that's even connected or if, they don't, if they're not obligated at all because they bought out the movie rights for it. Netflix definitely needs to step up their game with their advertising for some of these huge fucking things they're making. I think it would be very beneficial for them since they're going to have so much competition within the future. But I am looking forward to The Irishman. I am looking forward to El Camino. I hope they're both fucking awesome. Um, The other thing that happened, after a lot of bullshit back and forth, could prevailed, and Spider-Man is coming back to the MCU. Now, I know like a lot of people are trying to act like Sony caved in this. No, 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 no. They didn't. Marvel cave, if you think about it, because look at this. What they proposed was absolutely ridiculous, and you've already heard my opinions on this, how they kind of dropped the ball and kind of swung way too fucking big by trying to ask for 50 50, 50% of everything that came in from the films, not just the fact that they make all the fucking money off the films that have Spider-Man in it and Sony doesn't make a dime, that's advertisement, and they already have the merchandising rights. Now they want 50 and 50 of what's getting made, and they want to control 50-50 on the production itself. So if they don't want something, Sony doesn't get to do it. So their last big fucking moneymaker, you know, more than Bond, more obviously the Men in Black, Ghostbusters, whatever the fuck else they have, uh, Spider-Man is now completely controlled, and they didn't want them to tie into all the other stuff that Sony's making, Venom. Um, Morbius, all that stuff. Well, now it seems like Marvel's willing to play ball because I think that they went with what a lot of us were, you know, saying would be a hell of a lot more fair in this situation. It's like a, um, I don't know, a 60-40 or a 70-30 style thing. And also, they're not going to pay for the production. That's Sony still. And it looks like they're willing to play ball as far as Spider-Man being the linchpin between the Sony universe with Venom and stuff like that. So he can be in those movies if they choose and work it out with the schedule. And he can also hop into the MCU. And we have one more Spider-Man movie of trilogy uh, with, um, what the hell is the director's name? 
I'm thinking Mark Webb, and that's obviously the one from The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, John Watts, I believe, is his name. Let me see. Let me see if I got that right. Come on, Google. Don't hurt me. Um, yeah, John Watts. Um, he's going to have one more Spider-Man film, and he's uh, Spider-Man, uh, you know, his contract now, Tom Holland, is going to be in one more Marvel film. So hopefully, this is going to be a couple of years away, they can figure out a, another type of contract situation. But for right now, and even if this is the exit, and then Spider-Man's universe is kind of a part of the MCU, but they're just going to, you know, he has one more event thing, and he's like, sorry, guys, I have to quit the Avengers. I need to start worrying about my neighborhood. I'm just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Whatever. He walks away from it. He goes back into Sony stuff. They get to work on it. I wasn't worried about Sony with Spider-Man and all of you heckling fuck sticks out there that would bitch about it and, be, <laughs> and scoff at that concept. Some of the best Spider-Man movies, they, they have a better track record than, than Fox did with the X-Men movies. And I always say, you know, with the Fox movies, it's like you had X-Men 1, especially X-Men 2, were great. Uh, you know, X-Men 1 was very innovative. It starred a lot. X-Men 2 was an awesome film, I think, from start to finish. Uh, one of my favorite in the franchise. Third one sucked. Wolverine Origins sucked. There were redeeming qualities about both films, but for the most part, the plot went to shit, and just it wasn't that good. But I think that Matthew Vaughn revived the X-Men films, and you know, you go first class, I thought it was a great movie. I thought that Days of Future Past was fucking fantastic. Wolverine, definitely, the ending sucked, but I thought the movie, especially the extended version with more fight scenes, was better. Um, not that good, I will admit that. But then you had Logan, and, you know, Apocalypse wasn't good and Phoenix wasn't good, but you had Logan that came out and then Deadpool 1 and 2. So Fox has had a pretty good back-and-forth track record. I did more good films, you know, technically than bad films. So it's kind of like X-Men staying there. I wasn't as worried, but everyone wants everything in the fucking MCU, which is great, but also doesn't make the, the, the way that they make the films that much more diverse if you have the same type of company kind of doing it. And even though I love the MCU, I don't think they would have done stuff that Fox did with the, the Marvel films. And then going back to Sony, you had Spider-Man 1 was one of the first ones that really changed the game, very much like X-Men. Spider-Man 2 is still revered as one of the best Superhero films. Uh, third one sucked. It fucking was complete trash. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man, I really loved Amazing Spider-Man, the first one. Second one sucked. Um, and just Spider-Verse was great. Sony did these Spider-Man films. Yeah, they had Kevin Feige as a correspondent, but these were their fucking films. They, they produced it. They shot the way they wanted to. They had their writers and stuff like that. So I, I, I wasn't worried if Sony did that. And yes, then I made a bunch of money. Now the second one's got Andy Samberg, and he's going to be directing it. So it's, it's very exciting because we're going to see Cletus – oh, spoiler warning if you haven't seen the fucking movie that came out over a year ago. Uh, Cletus Cassidy is going to be played by um, – oh, man, Woody Harrelson. And I'm very much looking forward to that. I think that's going to be a lot of fun, especially with Andy Samberg because he's really good, obviously, with mocap. Uh, he played Gollum. He played Caesar in the, uh, the Planet of the Apes films. So he knows how to do that, and, you know, he's getting uh, – you know, I didn't see Mowgli, but I heard that the direction of it is good. But what killed it was the Disney film that came out previous before it 
So they couldn't release it in theaters like they were going to because it would have came out at the same time. And no one wants a deep impact fucking volcano, Dante's Peak extravaganza um, of just ridiculous similar movies that come out that kind of like cut the box office, if you will, because everyone got sick of the first one. So understandably so. And obviously the Disney version of Jungle Book is very, very engraved in someone's skull. So, um, But either way, I think he's going to be a good director. I'm looking forward to this Morbius movie. I think it sounds very interesting. They have a lot more in store. I want to see that built. But I also want to see Spider-Man back in the MCU. And so now that they've worked that out, very happy about that. There have been some interesting um, rumors that I wouldn't look too much into. Um, I think it was We Got It Covered was the outlet. I won't say they have the best track record, but they're claiming that their source had told information um, about – Taskmaster being the main villain and uh, Black Widow and another big scoop. We're telling him the same thing that apparently uh, Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock might be the lawyer for Spider-Man. Now, like I said, don't look that far into it. I'm not going to say that this is, this is a rumor. This is definitely a rumor, but if, if Marvel were to play ball a bit and let's, Sony kind of play with some of those Netflix characters and keep the fucking actors. Like I, I know that there's some type of tie as in the actors have to not play those characters in something else. Uh, the contract's ridiculous. They can't do any type of show with them. They can't do a Netflix. Well, obviously they wouldn't do a Netflix, but they can't do a Hulu show. They can't do a Disney plus show. Also, we don't know the rated R problems with doing it on Disney plus. Uh, but as far as them playing, you know, getting played by the same actors, they wouldn't be able to do that, basically, is what I was trying to say in a really long-winded way. Um, so they would have to get a new actor if they wanted to make a Daredevil movie. They couldn't use Charlie Cox, blah 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 And they couldn't do another series because Netflix has the rights to them doing a television and or um, whatever you know, Netflix series, if you will. So they can introduce them in the movies, and I think that's about the lift. So technically it's possible. I, I heard also that John Bernthal is they're really interested in involving him in something as a Punisher. So if this is true, I'll just play with the concept of it being true. I don't think it is. Then I really um, – I think that would be a good thing. I think the Marvel Knights, if you will, Marvel Knights – what I'm referring to is Punisher, Daredevil, Luke Cage, well, the Heroes for Hire, Iron Fist, um, Jessica Jones, Moon Knight a lot of times is, is introduced as being considered one of those. Um, you know, I, I think the Marvel Knights always kind of correspond to Spider-Man, and they're usually a part of that. So if they were to incorporate these characters in that way and maybe make a – I don't know, not a Defenders movie, but maybe a, a, I would love to see a Marvel Knights movie with these same actors. Don't worry about going too much in the backstory. Have the characters getting played by who they have it. They don't really have to reference much from beforehand. And you do it like – I would do it like a Sin City, like different stories of what's going on in the streets of New York one night during the year. And shoot it very you know, noir-styled and be able to reintroduce with the same actors these characters – for the MCU, and if you know if it's still got to say to the side, maybe Sony gets to fuck around with it and kind of incorporate those characters 
but they're still in my Marvel. You know, they, they could do stuff. Marvel could too. I'd make a really cool movie and just, yeah, like I said, like very, very Sin City-esque, like shot like that. Um, not exactly the same type of colors and stuff like that, like, you know, emphasizing on yellows and reds, uh, depending on the scene. But there could be a lot of cool stuff to be done uh, by that. So I don't think that we have anything that's 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 going to happen, but the concept of John Bernthal as a Punisher coming back, Charlie Cox as Daredevil coming back, and especially with Spider-Man, one of his biggest nemesis is if we could have Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, played by D'Onofrio, count me fucking in. But like I said, if you've heard these rumors, I wouldn't look that far into it. It's always fun to fantasize, though. So we got through that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wrapping things up, guys, a bit. My, my throat's been bothering me. So I'm going to go over uh, the Joker movie. You know, I think that people are fucking ridiculous. So the Joker movie is doing really well. It, I, it was the top of TIFF, which is the Toronto International Film Festival. Um, I believe the Venice Film Festival, it won. It was one of those. It won one of the big festivals, uh, out, either TIFF or the Venice Film Festival. Um, and people were raving about it. Now, it's not doing bad on Rotten Tomatoes or anything. And not that that matters. If you don't fucking like Rotten Tomatoes, it's fine. I use it as a tool. Uh, you know, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that. If anything, just realize that you can find good critics that you like. It's an aggregator that kind of – and I've, I've gone over this at, at nauseum, especially on the site – it's an aggregator of a collected of everyone's different reviews um, and kind of tallies up negative, positive. Even if you give something that's a little bit – is pretty positive, if it's not, you know, for the number system, it's taken as a, a negative or a positive. It's just one way or the other. There's no blurry lines, if you will. So out of 127 critics, um, 98 have given a fresh. 29 have given it a rotten. And it's got a 77%. Um, I, I'm not going to speak on behalf of everyone in there. Well, first of all, they're fucking idiots, but whatever. I mean, I haven't seen the film, so maybe I'll hate it. I don't know. But it just seems like a lot of their problems are the violence within the film. It, it's too bleak. It's too taxi driver. You know, it just... I get so fucking sick of things nowadays. It's ridiculous. Um... I wish that I wish that people weren't so sensitive to things. I understand the concept of the Aurora shooting victims and them being there there being some parents or people involved with what happened with I believe either the Dark Knight or the Dark Knight Rises. I think it was the Dark Knight Rises where the person came in and wanted to be like the Joker and shut up the theater and shit. Terrible stuff, man. And um I get that, but it's a character study. This is a fucking movie. Taxi Driver didn't have to be a positive film. This doesn't have to be a positive film. They're not going to overexploit negativity. They're going to show you a reflection of the human psyche. And yes, they're using Joker as a backdrop. But this is kind of like the whole fucking vaping thing 
if you will. Oh, you can say, oh, it's trying to be sold to children. That's why they have all those fruity flavors. Oh, they got the Joker, and he's so known by kids. It's up to the fucking parents to allow their children to go see this goddamn movie, okay? And for people that are affected by stuff, will they not be able to go and watch a John Wick movie? I mean, I'm trying to think of something more so dedicated towards a villain, but it's a character study. It doesn't have to be positive. It doesn't have to be negative. There are fucking horror movies that are probably going to do way worse. Watch the Rob Zombie Halloween remake, the first ep- or the first movie itself. It's, they're, they're fiction. It's not real. So to the 27 people that had such a problem with it, just take the cork out of your ass. I don't really know what the else to fucking say. I think I'm going to really enjoy this movie. Most critics are holding this in the same type of regard as The Dark Knight or Logan or, you know, a lot of um, – I'll even throw the Infinity War and, and Endgame if, as one movie together. Just stuff where they think outside the box. I think Winter Soldier was close to that but not really and just really make an in-depth great movie with the backdrop of a comic book, not necessarily a comic book movie like a lot of them are. So – I don't know. I'm very much looking forward to it. I think people like to bitch about stuff. I've already talked about that. I, I get tired doing that, you know, and um, there's nothing that you can do to really make a, a positive light of, of terrible things that have happened. But to censor art, to censor music, to censor, you know, movies, censor television – you know, entertainment, art, whatever, whatever you want to look, whatever spectrum, that's dangerous. Um, and I don't think it's fair to do that, especially where we're supposed to be living, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to get political or fucking all up in that. Um, you know, we do a lot of stupid things like decide right towards the end that stuff that, you know, our president did at the beginning would be a good thing to get him out right before you know, I guess technically you could get a second term, but you know what I'm saying? Like, really too fucking long for that whole entire impeachment concept. And that's not talking positively or negatively towards Trump, but towards the people that, uh, you know, kind of thought that would be a good idea. But it, it, getting back to the, uh, the, the, the critics themselves, um, if they don't matter to you, don't let them matter to you. Because the people that actually really probably will get defensive about this are the ones that will claim that none of this bothers them, that technically critics shouldn't even have any control, which they don't. Vox Office has control. There's been so many movies, a whole Transformer fucking franchise, that have banked off of people's dollars and a lack of critical response. We have allowed them recently to mean something. And usually it's for people that don't understand what the fuck Rotten Tomatoes is. Like I said, it's an aggregator. It's not one reviewer. That says if everything's good or bad, it's not like this fucking deity online. But what are you going to do? All right, let's see. We got, oh, God, this one really bothers the hell out of me. All right. So we had a situation on September 14th at an Iowa State University. Um, Carson King had a sign that said Bush Light Supply needs replenished Venmo and had his name so that people could do it. Now, I don't remember exactly 
people how much fucking money he got, but it was a ridiculous amount. So he decided what he was going to do with the money is just buy a case of Bush Light and give all to the charity. And he was committed. He was confirmed. So if you don't see the uh, reflection of how I talk about this next person, of how I feel about the story, um, you know, maybe you, you need to look into stuff a little bit more. But Aaron Calvin, this douchebag fucking reporter, um, decided to go after Carson King. He found on his Twitter back when he was 16 – Granted, he's 24 now. Back when he was 16, when people say stupid shit, he quoted something Daniel Tosh said on his television show. That was a bit racially insensitive. I'll, I'll give it that, you know, but it was reflecting off a joke that he heard off Daniel Tosh. And he posted. So this motherfucker tries to drag it out. Bush was going to put his face on the beers for the whole entire thing. It was, it was, it was positive press. Um, and they decided instead of sponsoring it, they wanted nothing to do with it. And, and apparently, from what I heard, the charity organization, which was Iowa's uh, Children's Hospital, didn't want the fucking money anymore. And like I said, he raised a ridiculous amount. Like, you know. So this asshole, Aaron Calvin, after all this, you know, is said and done, 27 years old, well, someone that was like, I'm sick of fucking this type of shit. Where it doesn't matter if you are, um, God, what the hell's the name of the comedian? Uh, Kevin Hart, you know, using homosexual slurs. Uh, unfortunately, back when it was said a lot, over 10 years ago on Twitter, getting called out for shit. Um, James Gunn saying some really crude, disgusting jokes that were kind of pedophile in nature, but completely blatantly joking, but just in a very, very crude way. Those coming out fucking plus 10 years. Well, this dumbass didn't realize that he not only said really vulgar shit about homosexuals, uh, but also said some racist shit too. Way worse than the person that he was accusing with Carson King. So now he got fucking fired. (laughs) He got fucking fired from his goddamn outlet. And I believe it's the Des Moines Register. Uh, reported fired in the wake of a scandal involving offensive tweets. So, you fucking dumbass. You try to dig up the dirt. You try to, if it bleeds, it leads. That type of journalism that's taken over, that doesn't give a shit about anything within society in a positive realm. You try to dig up this one time he quoted Daniel Tosh and put it online from Tosh.0 of something that he said that he thought was funny back when he was six fucking teen, back when everyone, no matter your race, no matter your sex, sexual orientation, you say stupid shit. You go after him, you get this whole entire nice gesture he did squash um, and, you know, kind of like put him under the light of everyone else, uh, a fucking spotlight on him for people to criticize him. But instead, people got pissed off because they realized that this is bullshit and then decided to search your ass and you had way worse things. Fuck you. You're a fucking idiot. And fuck that style of journalism in the, the belly button. Okay. Sorry. <sighs> Jesus Christ. I don't understand people nowadays, but that's very necessary. 
All right. So I'm going to take it home. God, guys, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, I think that me and my good co-host and friend, uh, brother Christopher Ray Patton, if you're a fan of wrestling, we have a show called Wrestling Geeks Alliance. It's going to be Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST. And I guess from there, I, I don't know if this is going to happen, and I don't know if this is going to affect Monday Suck because we're going to have more content to talk about. But we might try to do – I would like to try – I'm going to actually start up with Impact when they go live Tuesday. But Monday, Tuesday will be, you know, Monday Night Raw mainly, maybe Impact, and any news that happens, any major news. And also reflections off a pay-per-view from Sunday. Or probably Saturday, too. So it'll probably be mainly Monday Night Raw news and if there's a pay-per-view to go over. And then hit Sunday, NXT, AEW, and SmackDown, and any of the other news that comes out. Not Sunday, Saturday, I apologize. During the daytime. So we're going to try to do that. But we have, if you guys are looking for it, we have a uh, schedule or, you know, um, of, of all the wrestling events that are going to be coming out so you can know when to do it. And I'll go over that if I can find the stupid friggin' picture. Uh, but this is on uh, GeekVibesNation.com. Go check our articles and wrestling. So Mondays now will be Monday Night Raw going from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. on USA. Then also MLW Fusion, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. on YouTube. I'll definitely check that out if you guys don't get a chance. I went by this with MLW and Ring of Honor are on different networks. Um, I believe that Ring of Honor is under Sinclair. And so they're on various networks in different times and different places. It's always live on a certain day, but it just it kind of varies what network. So for MLW and for Ring of Honor, I gave you the, uh, the, the app that you can go and definitely watch it no matter where you are uh, for that show uh, for free. So like I said, Raw, 8 p.m., 11 p.m., USA. Raw is the new premiere. They've got a new look. they got back Pyro. Uh, they've got a big show. Uh, Fusion, like I said, 8 to 10 on YouTube. Tuesday, we got Impact starting off on AXS, or Access, I mean, um, going from 8 until 10. Uh, and then afterwards, go switch back over to USA, WWE Backstage, which uh, a man called CM Punk, it looks like, might be one of the hosts on, along with Renee uh, Young and also Booker T. So backstage will go from 11 until 12 on FS1, and it's their wrestling news, WWE-related uh, stuff. We go to Wednesday. Now, we all know that NXT UK, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. is on the WWE Network. It releases the same time NXT used to. Maybe an hour before. Maybe that's, that's a little bit off. I don't remember. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's right. But NXT is now going to be 8 until 10, so two hours now on USA. Uh, they got some big matches that we're going to be talking about that I'm really looking for, including Matt Riddle and Adam Cole. Shit, Raw tonight is going to have Rey Mysterio and Seth, uh, Seth Rollins for the title. That's actually really exciting. Uh, and at the same time, on TNT, AEW Dynamite will start from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. So if you can coordinate it, Wednesday Night Wars will start. All right, Thursday is your break. Uh, NXT will then be on Thursdays. Uh, I think it comes out on 8. So if you don't get a chance to watch it and you want to watch AEW then, you can watch NXT on a network on Thursday night at the same time and just be able to work it there. Friday, SmackDown now will be 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Brand new look, brand new presentation. Pyro's back, uh, and they have Brock Lesnar going against Kofi Kingston for the title. 
Now, 205 Live is going to be 10 to 11 on WWE Network right directly afterwards. And Saturday will be Women of Wrestle is uh, AXS, or Access, I mean, sorry. Access uh, Saturday night where you go uh, Women of Wrestling from 8 p.m. till 9 p.m. And then New Japan from 9 p.m. until 10 p.m. Uh, giving most New Japan pay-per-views usually happen on Saturday night live. Or, well, not on Saturday night live, but Saturday nights live. Kind of a weird part during the daytime because it's over in Japan getting recorded, but uh, it's usually Saturdays is, is, is the New Japan um, pay-per-view day. It's also takeovers. So Saturday is takeovers. Look at what work we can deal with. If you really want to watch as much wrestling, you can. Sundays, it's Ring of Honor from 10 p.m. until 11 p.m. on Charge. Charge is an app that you can get on your Roku, on whatever. And like I said, it's on different types of Sinclair broadcasting stations. You can look it up. Uh, from, like I said, 10 to 11. But Charge, it, it's free. It's for anyone that's out there that's listening on any part of our, our time zones. And you can really check it out. I know that also, I think it's on Galac- Galvaton. I, I believe, um, let me check this out real quick. Um, oh, it's uh, Galveston. And it's on Saturdays, uh, I think. I think they said 8 o'clock, so it's a Spanish-speaking station with CMML, CMLL. I'm sorry. Uh, most of their events are just live events. Uh, most of AAA's events are just live events, and they have their big pay-per-views. But CMLL, if you want to get in some Lucha Libre, uh, has a lot of their stuff. They just lost Roosh and fucking Dragon Lee, which is crazy. Um, either way, if you want to watch... Lots of wrestling you can, and if you want to figure out what you want to watch and when it's on, now you have something in front of you, and now you have that option. So there you go. Like I said, me and Chris will be going over in details everything this coming Wednesday. But until then, I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of Monday Suck. Um, hopefully next time I have a guest with me. That'd be nice. Trying to get some actual like guest guests on, like n- n- nothing against my friends that come and co-host with me, but uh, some more actual guests to talk about. But we talked a lot about different things today. We talked about hip hop. We talked about Netflix being horrible at advertising. We talked about douchebaggery with with uh, journalists. We talked about the Joker movie and 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 shitty critics. And we even talked about The Office. A little bit of wrestling scheduling. So I think that's it for me, guys. Um, Remember, gvnation.com or geekfivesnation.com to find our website. All the news articles for various things, doesn't matter if it's video games, science fiction, comp books, comp movies, uh, wrestling, sports, whatever you want to see that's geek-related, we have it. So check that out. Uh, We also have links to our Instagram Facebook and our Twitter. I'm Dane Alves. I'm on Twitter, but it's a burner account, so go and cuss me out if you don't like me. And if you do like me, go to our Facebook page. Join and message me. Uh, it would be fun to have a conversation, especially if you like the show. And then you can listen to us live blog talk the day of, and usually we, we get about you know that night or the next day on all of our various platforms that are all on there with Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, um, SoundCloud, Whatever have you, we get it out there. But, um, yeah, I guess that's all I got.
And that's the bottom line. Just Stone Cold Sesco. All right, you guys have a good one. Peace out, and let the Geek Fives be with you. Thank you, and drop it, Diamond Dallas Page. Hey, monkeys, it's me, D-D-P, Diamond Dallas Page, the king of bada-bing, the master of diamond cutter, the three-time world champion professional wrestler, WWE Hall of Famer, and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. And you, monkeys... Well, you're listening to Geek Vibes Nation, and that's... When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays?